Hey guys, welcome to episode 11 of the Three Point Threat Podcast. I am your host, Jared Woodcox. And you know, we're in the last week of August, which means training camp is only a few weeks away. We're getting really close to the start of the NBA season. We have less than two months. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm really ready for it to be over. I'm excited for us to be back and, and, and getting back into NBA action. want to remind everybody, make sure you're subscribing to the Three Point Threat Podcast on iTunes. Uh, you're welcome to do that now. Also, follow on Twitter at 3P Threat Podcast. Um, making sure you, you're staying in touch with everything there. So today, um, my J Notes colleague Ryan Aston is going to be joining me over the phone once again. And first and foremost, him and I we're going to talk about the Cavs Celtics trade madness. Obviously, it was a blockbuster trade that now is kind of you know it, it's kind of at a stall, at a standstill, uh, all hinging on Isaiah Thomas's physical and the results there. So we'll see what comes of that. Ryan and I want to weigh in on that. For point number two, I want to focus just on the Jazz on that one and, and really just touch on a question that has been bugging me all summer. And that question is, why do people keep sleeping on Rudy Gobert? So that's going to be what we'll discuss for point number two. Then for point three, we'll step back again and take a look at the whole league. We want to predict the NBA awards and the NBA All-Stars for 2017-18. I know it's early to make those predictions, but we want to do our best. So without further ado, let's welcome Ryan Aston onto the show and get on to point number one. Point one. All right, before we get started here, want to welcome my J Notes colleague, Ryan Aston, back to the show. Ryan, how's it going? Hey now, I'm good. Recovering from the fight. Good, yeah. <laughs> glad to hear it and glad to have you on again. You know, especially I know it was kind of late notice this time, but excited we could have you back on the show. Yeah, thanks, man. So, for point number one, you know, obviously the biggest news happening in the NBA right now is the, you know, the Isaiah Thomas, Kyrie Irving, Cavs Celtics trade. So Ryan and I, first of all, we want to talk about that. And, you know, the first question I have for you, Ryan, is kind of putting to one side all this recent news about the Isaiah Thomas physical reports and all that. Just when the trade originally came out, what were your initial thoughts? Um, Did you think one team came out as a clear winner or just how did you view the whole thing? So if I'm remembering correctly, Kyrie has two years left on his deal, right? Yeah, I believe so. Mm Mm-hmm. definitely you know I thought initially I really thought that Cleveland won pretty big just because I like how you know Kyrie didn't want to be there anyway so they had to get something back for him and I thought they did exceptionally well with that Um, because I mean when you look at Isaiah Thomas and Kyrie Irving I mean I think that most people would agree that Irving is the better player Um, but when you look even at like advanced stats and everything with the two of them they're, they're actually pretty close it's pretty surprising how close the two are but above and beyond, yeah, above and beyond that, though, I mean, Crowder is very underrated, and he's on a great contract. Um, I think that Zizek has some great potential, and more than anything, you know, that that pick they got, I was surprised that we've heard all these rumors about how Boston was not going to just give that away for something little, and the fact that they gave that and a bunch of players away for Kyrie Irving, I was actually pretty shocked that that's what got them to give it away. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. Danny Ainge is he's taking some risks. I mean, it, maybe you're really high on Jason Tatum, but even that deal I thought was kind of a shocker. Yeah. I mean, Thomas or, Thomas or not on the roster, I just was super surprised they, they would pass up on Fult. And, and now this deal, uh, he, he's not he's not gun-shy, that's for sure. And, and given what's happened with the, the, the Thomas typical, like, he's really put himself in kind of a tough spot. Yeah, I agree. I mean, kind of just good segue onto the next question I wanted to ask you, kind of looking at the situation now and with the physical and how it's going to turn out. I couldn't believe that kind of the biggest surprise to me, I guess I'd say, is that when, before the, the trade was finalized, before the physicals, I mean, the trade was apparently done, but the physicals hadn't happened. I couldn't believe that Danny Ainge, in an interview, he went so far as to say that the hip injury did play a part in his willingness to trade him. I was just shocked that Ainge would come out and say that. It's like, dude, you, you do realize he still has to go through his physical, right? 
And I mean, Seriously. yeah. And his defense, Ainge did say, you know, I think it might make him start out slow, but he'll be fine later on in the season. He didn't seem to think it was a huge deal, but the fact that he brought it up at all was just a shock to me. And then you look at, I think it was Woj that reported that the Cavs they weren't concerned about the hip injury. But obviously now that that's not the case. I mean, it's pretty clear that whatever they discovered in that physical, there's something that has them worried. And I guess, what do you think is going to happen now? What, what do you make of the situation now? I don't know. I mean, I, the Celtics and their front office can be as missed as they want about the fact that now Cleveland is just sort of holding their feet to the fire. But I would do the same thing. Yeah. You can't just... I mean, obviously, to me, the pick is the, the bigger part of the deal for the Cavs. But... Nevertheless, like, you, you can't just give something like Kyrie up and, and, and get back a piece that, that maybe isn't going to be able to perform for you. Mm-hmm. I mean, even if it is just a one-year rental kind of situation, like, that that's crazy. And, and I kind of, I feel a little awful for Isaiah in the situation. Like, he, if he ends up having to go back to Boston, that, like, that's just not going to be a good situation. No doubt. And... and He's been one of the, the, the real feel-good stories of the league in the last couple of years, and, and just the fact that he's potentially got this degenerative hip situation, it, it's just really unfortunate. Yeah, yeah, I agree. And I think, you know, Isaiah's camp has already come out and said that they are not happy with the Celtics front office. If something happened where he did go back, I think they would push the envelope and, and look to – you know, do it, make a move so that he's elsewhere anyway. I think that that bridge has been burnt. And you look at it from the Cavs' perspective, and, you know, they probably realize that in all likelihood they have a one-year window, one more year opportunity to try to win a championship because it's seeming pretty likely that LeBron's going to jump ship after this year. Um, but if you have LeBron James on your team, you're automatically a title contender. It's just the way it is. And if Isaiah Thomas is there and he's healthy, then that helps them with this one last chance before he possibly leaves to get a championship. So for them, I agree with you, Ryan, that it is about the pick. The pick's kind of the biggest prize of all this. But for their one hope here, this one upcoming year, Isaiah Thomas would be a big piece for them, and they would need him to be healthy. Sure. So kind of interesting to see how that's going to play out. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's crazy. The offseason was pretty insane as it was, and then, and then this happens. yeah. I, I just wonder what Gordon Hayward's thinking right now. Yeah, that was one of my initial thoughts. I don't know if you saw the piece that I wrote yesterday, but yeah, I, I feel like Hayward is kind of be—he's going to be joining a team in chaos a little bit. I mean, even if this does get ironed out, you look at it, and if this trade goes through it as it was um, proposed, I believe there's only four players from last team that are still on the roster. So you know, Isaiah Thomas played a big part in recruiting Hayward there. In his mind, I mean, is he is he worried about this at all? Is he like, well, these aren't even the guys I was planning to play with? Quite frankly, I think that you know Brad Stevens is there, and that's his biggest thing. So I don't think he's too worried. But it's got to be at least some bit of thought in his mind that this isn't exactly what he expected. You know, right? And, and really, like whether the Kyrie deal goes through or not, they're, they're not competing with the Warriors. Mm-hmm. And if that's the case, and then maybe down the road, Markel Fultz blows up and, and Tatum's not quite as grand as the Celtics had hoped, like, I think Hayward's going to look back on, on his decision and maybe second-guess himself. But I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, I guess, you know, looking at these two teams, Ryan, if we assume that Isaiah Thomas is healthy, unless for these intents and purposes, just assume the trade goes through as it was originally proposed. What do you think it, how do you think it affects both teams? Are they still one and two in the East? Who's one and two in the East? How does it make them better or, or where do they each end up because of this trade? I, I think in the short term, Cleveland is still the team to be like, regardless of what happens to the playoff seeding. Yep. Um, maybe a couple of years from now, if Jalen Brown sort of continues on its trajectory and, and Tatum works out and maybe you can keep Kyrie in there. I don't know how they can do it financially, but, but let's say they manage it. Like then maybe in a couple of years, I could see them kind of as LeBron is descending, providing a, more of a challenge out there in the East. But as it stands now, I don't think much has changed in the next part of it. Yeah, I agree. I think the landscape's pretty much the same. I think really it's, it's still going to be the Cavs are going to be the best team, whether they're the number one seed or not. I just don't think that 
that Kyrie and Gordon Hayward are going to be enough to, to beat a LeBron James-led team. I mean, when you look at it, Kyrie Irving was a good piece for the Cavs, but the reason they, they went to the finals these consecutive years was because of LeBron, and LeBron is still on that team. And if you're just swapping you know, Kyrie and Isaiah Thomas, I think Isaiah Thomas is good enough of a stopgap that LeBron is still going to be the difference, and they're still going to be better than the Celtics come playoff time. Um, that, that's, how, that's how I see it, yeah. I agree. What do you think this means for the Celtics moving forward? I mean, I know that me personally, I, I'm not a Celtics fan when I search the imagination, but I worry about their identity. You know, I feel like they've traded away a lot of their depth. They lost some really good defense with, with Crowder and with Avery Bradley. And I don't know, I could see them having some struggles. I don't think it's going to be all roses for the Celtics next year. What do you think? Yeah, it's, it's going to be a super top-heavy roster. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and we've seen teams like that in the past not really get to where they were meant to go I, I just the first one that comes to mind really is, is that 04 Lakers team um, I, I, it's not like they were completely void of talent behind the big four but but it, it wasn't what they needed to, to be the Pistons team that no one expected to win yeah um, that's a great analogy some of the, the LeBron Cavs teams um, during his first run there, uh, they just didn't have the depth they needed to beat teams like the Spurs. And, and I think the Celtics now are in, in a similar situation after the move. Yeah, I agree. And it's kind of like, you know, you look at, I think the Golden State Warriors, we obviously know they're kind of the, um, they're kind of the benchmark for everybody. Everybody wants to be like them. And yes, they have, they have a phenomenal starting, starting five or their four best players are awesome, but they also just have an incredible depth as well. I mean, they're the complete package. You know, if, if they don't have the depth they have, we're probably not talking about them being as serious, you know, title contenders every year as we are. So that's a good point. It's true. And they're even better now. Mm -hmm. It's crazy to think about. Yeah. Yep, it's scary to think about. The one thing I wanted to bring up real quick that kind of just hit me is I was thinking about Gordon Hayward, you know, and how this affects him with the Celtics. And correct me if I'm wrong, maybe I'm overlooking someone, but in Hayward's career, especially recently, you know, other than his rookie season where him and Darren Williams had some conflicts, has he really played with anybody that has an ego like Kyrie Irving? Because I feel like he hasn't. And seeing how he coexist with a guy like Kyrie Irving who obviously wants to be the guy obviously has a bit of the an ego he wants the ball in his hands I just don't know how Hayward is going to be able to coexist with someone like that yeah I I was a little worried about how he fit with Isaiah and, and yeah. Isaiah's not Kyrie but but I was worried with that I guess if you had to take someone out from the jazz you could say Rudy but I, I don't think he's in the same ballpark as Kyrie, he has kind of the waggery need to be an elite player, but he's not. Well, let me put it this way. I don't see Rudy demanding a trade so he can be the number one somewhere else if, if he's in a good situation with a winning team. Yeah, I agree. And I think the difference there, Rudy has that fire, you know, he has that passion, but he's not a guy that I think is going to go up after a game and be like, hey, I need to have the ball, I should be taking that shot. I mean, he's still on the, like, he can call his his teammates out, we saw him do that, but on the floor, he always fits in with the team, where we've seen times when Kyrie and LeBron obviously didn't get along on the court, they butted heads, and now Kyrie's going to expect to be the top guy, and I wonder if Hayward's going to be okay with that, or how it's going to look. Yeah, it's going to be interesting, that's for sure. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think we cut, we covered and touched on some good things uh, regarding the Cavs-Celtics trade. You know, we, we could have a res- resolution to this any minute. It could happen any time. I know the Cavs and Celtics are supposedly talking, so I can't wait to see what comes of it and who ends up on what team or, or how this ends up coming about. But with that being said, let's go ahead now and move on to point number two. Point two. All right, so for point number two, Ryan and I wanted to, you know, get our laser focus back in on the Utah Jazz and there's just been a question, Ryan, that's been bugging me all summer. I mean, kind of dating back to the NBA awards and just little things that have surfaced all year. And that question that I have is, is why do people keep sleeping on Rudy Gobert? You know, most recently there was a list of MVP odds that came out and Rudy Gobert was left completely off the list. I mean, it wasn't that official of a list, but still just the fact that he wasn't even on there just kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I want to ask you, why do you think people keep sleeping on him? It's really weird, isn't it? Mm-hmm. I, I think... Honestly, it's it's twofold, and, and I think it's as simple as one. He plays in Utah. 
Yeah. <laughs> on national TV. And two, just with the way the league is going, everyone's obsessed with the space and pace and the three-point shot. And I think they overlook the importance still uh, of being able to score at the basket. I mean, that's, to me, as important as the three-point shot in the modern NBA. I mean, if everyone's out on the three-point line and you don't have any presence down low, like, that's a lot easier to guard uh, if, if you have a guy down low that can score uh, it really opens things up to the guys in the back and vice versa uh, it's like a symbiotic thing I think you, you can't have one without the other and I think people are overlooking the, the importance of that low score and, and that's Gobert he's one of the best yeah I'm with you 100% you know the first thing when I was kind of thinking about this question First thing that comes to my mind, and it's exactly what you said, it feels like, you know, the big, the rim-protecting center, it's just not a quote-unquote sexy position anymore. It's not what people are interested in as much, which I don't agree with. But, you know, everyone's all into the stretch bigs and running the floor. And someone like Rudy, like I said, even though we don't agree with it, he's just not considered as hot of a commodity anymore. But the interesting thing that I looked into today, Ryan, is, you know, we all know that Draymond Green is a heck of a player. But I feel like if we take him and Rudy's skill sets and place them in the league even five years ago, I really think that Rudy Gobert is the one that wins Defensive Player of the Year. And the reason I say yeah. that is you look back. So last year, Draymond, this last year, Draymond won Defensive Player of the Year. The two years before that, it was Kawhi. But before that, you have to go all the way back to the 2003-2004 season to get a Defensive Player of the Year that wasn't a center. And that was Ron Artest. Before that, you have to go all the way back to 1995, 1996, uh, where it was Gary Payton who was the Defensive Player of the Year. So all those other years besides 96 and 04, it's been centers that were the Defensive Player of the Year. And now that's just, it's just changed. Just the way that people look at that center position has changed entirely. So it just, it really blows my mind when I think about it. Yeah, mine too. It, it's, it's really crazy. And, and awesome as Draymond is, I think that the Gobert affects an offensive possession to a greater degree. I feel like people alter what they do with the ball just out of fear that they're going to have to face Gobert at the rim. And, and, and Draymond's a presence, but I don't think it's the same thing. Like, like people can say Rudy's just a shot blocker, and, and you know, that's fine, whatever, but... but Really, just the impact he has, even just mentally on, on the opposing offense, I think is is completely, completely understated. Yeah, I agree. I feel like if I'm an opposing player, you know, maybe I don't want Draymond Green guarding me. You know, maybe I don't want him on me. But with Rudy Gobert yeah. on the floor, it's kind of like, man, I don't need, I don't want him on the floor. I don't want him in the paint. Like it's like you say, exactly. Yeah, and Rudy said it too. He had a great quote this past year where he said, you know, I feel like I affect every player on the floor because they have to think about me. You know, maybe a guard that I'm not guarding would have driven to the hole, but since I'm down there, instead he's he's pulling up for a, you know a low percentage mid range jumper. So even though Rudy Gobert didn't guard him one on one for a split second because of Rudy Gobert, that guard misses the shot. You know what I mean? So it's, I agree with you, he's everywhere. And so the fact that he keeps getting overlooked, it's really frustrating to me. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's bizarre. And, and offensively, the go-to argument seems to be, well, he can't shoot outside five feet. Mm-hmm. Um, meanwhile, he, he's maybe the best role man in the NBA. And yep. Last time I checked, the NBA is still pick and roll league. That's always going to be the go-to play. Mm-hmm. Um, and and really shooting within five feet of the basket. Like uh, another thing I've seen is, is that that's the reason why his true shooting percentage is so high. He's he's padding it with these three foot shots, and he shots the rim, and he lobs. And, and last time I checked, I mean this is a little monkey math I'm doing here, but but. A 60% shooter, which Rudy is, is far better than this at the rim, but a 60% shooter at the rim is going to get 1.2 points per scoring opportunity. And, that, and that's the equivalent of 40% from three. I mean, it's, it's equal. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand why people place a greater value on that 40% three-point shooter. Yeah. When you're getting the same points from go bear down the paint. I, I mean, there, there's 
there's a reality to his vertical gravity. He's he's an elite finisher at the rim, and he's an elite role man on the pick and roll. And, and given that, I, I I find it really hard to believe that you can say that he's not a positive presence offensively. He's really a high level offensive player, if you ask me. Yeah, no, I agree, and I think that the kind of the um, the criticism he receives, if you can call it that, is that. You know, honestly, we all know this. He's not a versatile offensive player. I mean, he's not out there crossing people up and, and shooting threes. That's that's not his game, though. I mean, his efficiency, like you said, is through the roof. And I think with Ricky Rubio playing the point, it's just going to get even better. And really, at the end of the day, I mean, the fact that he is a traditional center in an era where non-traditional guys are the ones getting all the recognition, I think that's a big thing of what hurts him. But honestly, anybody that watched him last year, they should just know how dominant he was you know, I don't know if you remember this or not, Ryan, but two years ago, so at the end of the 15-16 season, I actually wrote an opinion piece where I kind of talked about, you know what, I don't think Rudy Gobert was snubbed from the all-defensive teams. I actually thought that DeAndre Jordan and Whiteside deserved those over him as they got it. But this past year, the leaps and bounds that he took, he 100% deserved. I mean, he did obviously make the all-NBA defensive team and, and all-NBA teams, but I think that he, he also deserved to be Defensive Player of the Year. He just he improved that much. So the fact that even after all that improvement, uh, I, don't, I just don't get why he's not getting the recognition he deserves there. I, I guess it's just not the, the sexy thing in the modern NBA. Uh, I mean, I think you would agree he, he provides as much value as, say, DeMarcus Cousins or Anthony Davis. But, Easily. But just, where people's mindsets are, you're just not going to get that same level of respect Yep. for whatever reason. And, you know, the first thing you said, too, you said that part of it is just that he plays in Utah, and as much as we hate to hear that or admit that, it is the truth. We know it is. And a couple a, a couple weeks back when I had Frank Urbina on the show, you know, he kind of brought up when, when Steph Curry had that play in the, in the playoffs where he spun Gobert around. You know, I, I mean, obviously it was a great play by Steph, and, and Gobert made a mistake. But, you know, how viral did that go? How many casual fans that had never watched Gobert, they, they see that and then they make all these assumptions based off of that, when really if you were to see a highlight reel of everything Gobert would done, I think it would just blow people away if they were actually paying attention. But instead it's the negative or it's the, the other more hyped players in big markets to get all this credit and we're just ignoring all the good stuff Gobert does. So it's just interesting to think how big of a role yeah. it plays. I mean, imagine if Gobert played for the Lakers or the Knicks. Can you believe how much he'd be blown out and how much people go and gaga over him? Oh, for sure. I, I mean, maybe I'm crazy, but I've said in the past that if Mark Eaton had played for those Showtime Lakers, he'd probably be in the Hall of Fame right now. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, I, it's just it's just a different world when you're playing Salt Lake and you're not on national TV and you're you're kind of in Middle America and the league. It's just an East Coast league. I mean, you can almost say that about sports in general. It's true. Um, but he's just not going to get the exposure. Mm-hmm. So I guess my follow-up question to all this is, you know, what will it take for Rudy Gobert to actually finally get the credit he deserves? What does he have to do or what has to happen in general? I feel like a lot of it is just time and exposure. I, I mean, you can go back to Darren Williams. He, he probably was snubbed from two or three all-star teams before he finally made it. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Hayward... I don't know that, that he should have been there last year, but I mean, there was an argument. It wasn't an open and shut case, but, but no one outside of Utah would say that. Mm-hmm. Um, but this year, I think it, 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 things just reach a tipping point, and I think Rudy's on the cusp of that. And honestly, I'd be surprised if he didn't make it this coming season, um, but, but there just wasn't any way he was going to make it last year. Um, especially with DeAndre Jordan not having made it, I, I think more than anything, his, his all-star birth last year was kind of a, a lifetime achieve, achievement award. I agree. Like, like he just he just was owed it for, for his years of performing at a high level, and, and really Gobert was the better player. Um, but, but it's a perception thing, and, and I think, uh, I, I really feel like this coming year, it, it's finally going to start turning around, but, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, I agree. You know, I loved, I don't know if you saw it or not, but there was a recent article on Hoops Hype. I guess it was an interview with Rudy Gobert. 
And one of the things he said that I loved, he said that when you play in a small market, you have to do three times what the guys in big markets do. And I just feel like that was that was dead on. I mean, really, he's just got to keep getting better. He's got to, you know, he's not going to be a guy that commands a high usage rating on offense, but he still needs to be a focal point of the offense even more, you know, score even more, uh, and then just keep his defense where it's at. I look at a guy like um, Giannis Antetokounmpo, who obviously, you know, he plays for a, a team that's, that's relatively small market, um, but he's starting to get major recognition because he's just been so dominant and so good at what he does that he can't be ignored. And Ruby's just got to get to that point where he's so dominant that even the casual fans can't ignore him. So hopefully he gets to that point. Yeah, well, and, and I guess something else that, that, that we could add is, is Ruby's playing in the West, and it's just always going to be tougher in the West anyway. Very true. Um, but, but I agree. I, I think, like you do, that, that it's just going to get to the point where people can't ignore him anymore. Mm-hmm. And last thing I'll say on Rudy Gobert, you know, kind of you touched on it that next year we hope he becomes an all-star, and, and I agree. I think next year is his year. In all honesty, you know, setting my bitterness to one side, I do think he should have been an all-star over Hayward last year. And then, as you said, he yeah. also should have gotten in over DeAndre Jordan. I feel like that's without question. The all-NBA teams proved that as well. I mean, Gobert ended up being an all-NBA second-teamer. I just hope that with Rubio as hopefully a healthy and consistent point guard, that can help Gobert, you know, be even better at the pick and roll, and he kind of gets over that hump, and he becomes an all-star next year. I think it has to happen, and I think it will. I agree. I agree. And the Rubio thing is a big factor, I, I think, on both sides of the ball. Like, I think Rudy is just going to feast in that pick and roll with, with Rubio, with that vision and, and kind of the speed. And then defensively, his length, like, it's really going to change some things for the Jazz defensively. And they were already great defensively, so. Definitely. So I think, like you said, like, that's going to be a big thing for him going forward. Definitely. Cool. Well, talking about this and about Rudy's, you know, all-star chances, all-star hopes, this really translates over really well into our third and final point where we're going to try to predict next season's all-stars as well as the NBA awards. So without further ado, let's go on now to point number three. Point three. So for the third and final point today, I know that we're a ways off and it's always hard to predict this early, but it's always kind of fun too. So Ryan and I are going to take a look and make our predictions for next season's NBA awards and also who we think are going to be on the respective Eastern Conference and Western Conference all-star teams. So first and foremost, Ryan, I want to know who is your pick for MVP next year? Um, I think I'm going to have to go with James Harden. Okay. And I think he's been close for a couple of years now. Okay. Um, and, and I feel like if, if, if things go as they want them to go with Chris Paul, I feel like the Rockets are, are going to gonna take that jump, and I think it's going to be harder to overlook him this year. Yeah, I can definitely see that. Harden was one of the ones I was kind of weighing and measuring as I made my decision here. Um, this is kind of my thought process. process. You know, last year... Um, obviously Westbrook won it. I feel like Westbrook now has Paul George there with him. Harden now has Chris Paul with them. I feel like those two may kind of take a step back as far as MVP candidates. And the guy that I'm going to pin is Kawhi Leonard. Um, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I, I, like may, I may be off base here, but I just feel like, you know, the Spurs didn't do a ton to improve this year or this offseason, I should say. And it's going to fall on Kawhi to shoulder even more of a load. You know, he's never won that regular season MVP. He won the finals MVP. Um, but he's the one I'm going to pick for this. I, I could regret it, but I think he's going to win MVP this year. I dig it. Like, I think he, he still flies. As good as he is, I feel like he flies under the radar. Yep. And, and there, there are legitimately still people out there that think of him primarily as a defender and, and he can shoot three but, but he's so much better than so that. much he's better improved every year he, he is really he's really good i i like him yeah i mean watching him and i mean i've, I've watched him quite a bit obviously not as much as the jazz by any means but especially last year when i was watching him during the Rockets series and in in that game one before he went down against the warriors like some of the things some of the things he was doing on offense were just blowing me away and i still think he has the potential to, to get there um, I, I I don't know. It's probably a risky pick, but I'm still going to go with it because why not, right? Um, my other yeah, two... Well, sorry, if we're talking most valuable, that Warriors show, series shows it. I mean, Definitely. I'm not saying the Spurs would have won that series, but they were competing. And when he went down, you know, that was the end of them. Yep. 
I would say the other the other two candidates I kind of had in mind were I think LeBron James can never be counted out. You know, especially he's gonna have a huge chip on his shoulder. Um, my other kind of dark horse candidate, and I don't think he'll be. I don't think he'll even be one of the candidates, but I guess. But kind of a dark horse guy that could step up is um, Antetokounmpo. I don't know if you saw the Kobe Bryant challenge on Twitter, but Kobe challenged him to to win the MVP essentially, and that kind of caught my eye. I don't know. We'll see what pans out there, but that's my other thoughts. He's a special talent, that's for sure. Yeah. Okay. How about next one? Who's your pick for Rookie of the Year? So for Rookie of the Year, I have two guys that I've, that I've kind of been. Dating, and I'm going to say Josh Jackson and our own Donovan Mitchell. Awesome. Love it. What do you think? Well, I really wanted to be Donovan Mitchell. That was that was kind of <laughs> who I was leaning towards, but I felt like I had to take the Homer glasses off for a little bit. Um, yeah. This one might surprise you, too. I kind of went rogue, I guess, a little bit, but I'm going to go with Ben Simmons. And the reason I, I picked him is I just feel like he, you know, even though he didn't play it all last year, He's had a year to learn the game and watch the game. And, like, if Embiid had stayed healthy this past year, I think he would have been, like, the clear choice for Rookie of the Year. And I can see Simmons kind of coming in and be similar to an Embiid where he understands the game, he's ready to go. And if he stays healthy, I I could see him being a a, a little – have a little bit of a head start above the other rookies just haven't been around an NBA team for a year. So – well, and every, everyone talks about Lonzo Ball's vision, and I feel like Ben Simmons has the same vision, and he's six foot nine. Yeah. Um, and he looked—I mean, we didn't see a lot of them, but when he was in summer league, he he showed some things. Um, he's a passer. Uh, I like him a lot too. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, I I'll, I was actually considering having Lonzo Ball be my pick. And maybe it's because I don't really care for him or the Lakers, but <laughs> I didn't want to go that route. And, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go with Simmons, and hopefully it's Mitchell. I hope you're right. I would love to see Mitchell just prove everybody wrong, get the opportunity, and just kill it this next year. Well, uh, the thing is, the Jazz aren't exactly a star laden team, so yep. if he's defending like we think he'll be able to, and then he's shooting like he he could be able to, just based on his form and kind of his scores mentality, like, it, it could happen. I, I'm not saying it will, but, but but it's not that crazy to think that he could work his way into the starting five and, and be really a good player in year one. Yeah, I definitely agree. All right, this next one, I have a feeling we're going to have the same answer, but who's your pick for Defensive Player of the Year? I'm going to say Rudy Gobert. Yep, there we go. That's that's who I have too. He's got to prove it this year. I have, I have confidence he's going to. Yeah, I mean, he he really he really. I mean, the voting maybe wasn't super close in the end, but but he he made his case this year, and then people started to take notice. And again, it's that perception thing, and I think he's going to have a big year, and people are coming around, and and really, he set himself up nicely to to make his case there. Yeah, that's a perfect way to put it. I took the words right out of my mouth. Um, how about for most improved player? I feel like this is a really hard one to pick, but do you have any thoughts there of who you predict is going to win that one? That is tough. Um, geez. But let me think about it for a minute. Let's hear yours. Okay, mine is Miles Turner. Um, I feel like he has a ton of potential. I feel like last year he was underrated, and, and quite frankly, I feel like he was underutilized. Um, I do worry about that underutilization continuing. I just, I don't know. I don't have a ton of confidence in Nate McMillan getting the most out of Miles Turner. But even so, I feel like he's yeah. he's the best player on that team. They're going to have to use him now. And just kind of a weird tidbit. I mean, Indy is no stranger to that most improved award or most improved player of the year award. Uh, I mean, Paul George won it. Danny Granger won it. Uh, before them, Jermaine O'Neal and Jalen Rose both won it. I feel like kind of with each new era, they've had a guy step up. And I think this year's going to be Miles Turner's year to get it. That's a good one, and, and I don't want to jump the gun here um, with our segment, but but I really think he's going to be an all-star, and he's uh, so so many players have moved west, and really that's his team. Yep. Um, I, I think if the Pacers are at least halfway decent, which I guess we'll see there, but mm-hmm. um, I, I really could see him becoming an all-star level player in the East. 
Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. You, you, I was going to actually ask you about him in our in that piece of the segment, but that's that's totally fine. I agree that I think he can be an all star talent. You know, it's it's going to be fun to see him grow. I think. Um, was there any other most improved player candidates you wanted to touch on, or, or are you kind of in agreement on that one? Yeah, I'm kind of in agreement with you. I mean, when 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 that draft was happening and the players were making their rounds, he was one that I really liked for the Jazz. Even me too. Uh, I liked him quite a bit. I liked Willie Cauley Stein, um, and ultimately they picked who they picked. The less said about that, the better. Um, but I, I've really liked him since, since his Texas days, and, and and really he's he's lived up to the billing. Definitely. All right, now the next one I think is really hard too. These two in a row that are pretty tricky. Well, who do you got for sixth man of the year? So for sixth man of the year, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Lou Williams. I'm gonna go Lou Williams, and I think he was a little overlooked. I mean, he's he's sort of been in that conversation for for a lot of his career. Uh huh. Um, but I think he's gonna get a chance to really score some points this year. Yeah, I agree um, with you. Kind of in the vein of Jamal Crawford uh, before him. Yeah, kind of, kind of piggybacking on that. You know, one of my most proud predicting moments, you know, of my illustrious career <laughs> um, was in in, in twenty fourteen fifteen. But way before that season started, I actually had picked Lou Williams when he first went to the Raptors to win six man, and he did. So yeah. I, I could definitely agree with that. Um, I guess this year I'm going to go with Andre Godala. He was one of the candidates last year. Just got a hefty payday this year to stay with the the Warriors, and I don't know. I I just feel like he is gonna get it this year. They're gonna be phenomenal again, and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up getting the nod. Yeah, uh, and he's really sort of like Andre Kirilenko back in the day. He, he's one of those guys that just impacts the game mm-hmm. in so many ways, even if it doesn't show in the box score. Um, and I get. His, his nightlife comments notwithstanding, yeah. I always felt he'd be a good fit with the Jazz. I mean, now he, he's nearing the end of his career, and it doesn't really maybe make sense at this point, but I've always liked Iguodala, and, and I like it. I like your pick. Yeah, yeah, I've always liked him too. I was pretty bummed when he made those comments because for a long time he was one of the few guys on the Warriors that I could tolerate, and now I, I don't right. know. I, I, yeah. <laughs> I have mixed feelings about him now, but I mean, I still love his game. Just from a purely basketball standpoint, love his game. He's a guy that just keeps on going, like you said. So, I definitely agree with you there. Well, he was almost ahead of his time. I mean, Draymond Green is so highly thought of now, and he was kind of Draymond before Draymond. And, and I guess you could say the same thing about Sherlinko. I mean, these guys that do so many different things and defend so well. Yeah. Um, there's something to be said for those guys. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, so last NBA award before we move over to the All-Stars, who's your pick for Coach of the Year? Well, I mean, I, I'd love to say Quinn Snyder, and I I like that he got a, a little bit of play for that this year, maybe not as much as people in Utah would have liked. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to go with Greg Popovich. I mean, he's just... He's not my favorite coach in the league. I'm a Rick Carlisle guy, but I think just the way he manages to keep the Spurs in that conversation, you know, for such a sustained period of time with different players, it's really remarkable. And to me, he's the vanguard of NBA coaches, and I think that's going to be the case next year once again. Yeah, he's always in that conversation, and, and deservedly so. Um, I'm with you on Quinn. I actually felt like Quinn was very much snubbed last year. I was okay with D'Antoni winning it, but the fact that Quinn wasn't even one of the three finalists I thought was outrageous just with the way he navigated through all the injuries. Um, I, yeah, what was he, like sixth? Yeah, something like that. It was Yeah, and he wasn't yeah. one of the top three that was presented at the NBA Awards or anything like that, so kind of disappointing. Um, like I said, I hope he's still in the conversation. Um, I went kind of rogue on my pick for this one. If you were surprised by me picking Kawhi, you might be even more surprised by this one. <laughs> um, I bounced around. Named, I was considering Brad Stevens. I was considering Steve Kerr, Greg Popovich. I finally decided that I'm gonna for this one. I'm gonna pick Billy Donovan. Um, I think I think if he can find a way to make Westbrook and Paul George coexist 
and that team can surprise some people in the West and maybe pass some of the, you know, I don't think they'll pass the Warriors by any means, but if they can find a way to, you know, shoot past the Rockets or maybe past the Spurs, whatever it is, I could see him getting the nod and being just really heralded for that. So that's kind of my out on a limb coach of the year pick. Yeah, I, I can see it. I mean, really, I think as much as Quinn was, was snubbed, I, I feel like people didn't really give Billy Donovan the credit last year for, for kind of keeping that team where they were. I mean, obviously Westbrook had the season he had, and it was historic, but just to, to be where they were despite losing arguably, I mean, I, I, I'm still going to go with LeBron, but you can make the case that, that, that Kevin Durant's the best player in the league. Yep. And they lost him, and they still had the success that they did. I think really a lot of that credit has to go to Donovan. And if he can make that work with, with Paul George and, and Russell Westbrook and, and they can get up in the top three of the West, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think he's a, a strong candidate. Yeah, for sure. That was my thinking exactly. So now wrapping up this this segment, I wanted to also, I know we're getting real tricky now because we're so early, but kind of wanted to kind of predict the, the All-Stars for next season. So Real quick, I want to play a little bit of a game, I guess. I'm going to name a player, and you tell me yes or no if you think they're going to be an all-star. So some are going to be easy, obviously, but we'll kind of get down to it. So starting with the Eastern Conference, uh, first, first guy I want to say is Kyrie Irving. Yes. Okay, with you 100%. I mean, he, he's just, there, there's just not <laughs> – he's not the best point guard in the East, but – He's always going to be up there in the top two or three. Yep. No matter what team he's on, too, based on what happens, I think he'll be yeah. there. So, all right, next guy, DeMar DeRozan. Yes. Okay. I have him, too. I, I kind of was leaning on the fence with him. I know that, you know, the analytics guys can't stand him, but he's good enough of a scorer. I think he's going to make it. Yeah, it, it's almost like the Rudy thing. Like, they look at him as a mid-range jump shooter, and, and no one likes the mid-range jump shot anymore, but... He's, he's effective. Yeah, he's oh. good at it. That's a very good point. Yep. Okay, next one's very easy. LeBron James. Yeah. Yep. I don't, I don't even think we need to comment on that one. That's pretty obvious. <laughs> um, yeah. how, how about Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak? Yeah, for sure. I yep. mean, he, he's, he's a special player. Yep, definitely. Um, getting a little trickier. How about Isaiah Thomas? You know, I, I didn't have any problem with him making it last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder a little bit if this hit thing lingers longer. Than, I mean, I guess we already know it's going to linger longer than the, the Celtics kind of expected. Yeah. Um, I think that could be a factor. Gosh, he, I, I, that is a tough one. I feel like that's a real borderline case. I mean, you have Irving, you have John Wall. Gosh. Yeah. I'm going to say no. I, 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 I couldn't tell you what's going to ultimately do it, whether it's going to be him not playing enough games or being injured or just being beaten out by other guys. I'm going to say uh, he may even be a one-and-done all-star. Yeah, you could very well be right. I went through a similar thought process, but I actually I went with yes on Isaiah Thomas. I do have him squeaking by and making it, so we'll see. We'll, yeah, have, to, we'll have to remember this. Happen. Yeah, we'll have to remember this and... and you know, the other one, it was the other one dinner or something once the All-Star teams come out. And I was kidding. <laughs> um, yep. How about John Wall? You kind of touched on him already, but. Yeah, I I really like John Wall, and I, I think he's not always gotten his just due, and I, he's a surefire All-Star in my book. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, another tough one, Kevin Love. Kevin Love, well, you know, with so many people moving westward, and, and like, Paul Millsap specifically is in the West now. Uh-huh. I think Love was always in the conversation as it was, uh-huh. whether he made it or not, and I, I think it's going to be hard for him not to make it this year. Okay. So I actually I went the other way on this one. I, I have Love out. I think that the guy we touched on earlier, I think Miles Turner is going to take his spot. That's my guess on that one. Yeah, it could be. Yeah. Okay, how about Kyle Lowry? <laughs> I'm gonna say no. Okay. Um, I do have Lowry in, uh, but again, that's a very borderline one for me. It's gonna be interesting to see. Yeah. And I love Kyle Lowry, but, but mm-hmm. 
pieces together, and, and that's great, but they're not going to win the East. Um, really, I just sort of see a slow descent for them, and I think that's going to affect things like all-star knots for, for a guy like Kyle Lowry. Yep, I'm with you. All right, here's a guy that made it last year, kind of squeaked in. How about Kemba Walker? Kemba Walker, wow. You know, he, it surprised me a little that he made it last year, but I, I do think he deserved it. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say no on him. Okay. How about, you're going to love this one, how about Gordon Hayward? I mean, that's, if you, if you read between the lines with, with some of the things that's come out about why he made his decision, I mean, that, that's a big part of it, right? He yep. wanted the, the legacy and, and the recognition and the whole Celtics mystique, and, and I could see him making, like, five, six, seven all-star teams. Yeah. As long as he stays healthy and keeps performing. Yep, no, I definitely think he'll be in there. I mean, he made it in the West last year, and I think he'll definitely make it in the East this year. Although I will say, if he stayed in the West this year, I don't know if he would have made it. So to his credit, I guess, maybe that is a big reason why he went there. We know it kind of had some influence, but yeah, I do think he'll be there. Um, last yeah. one that was on the team last year, how about Carmelo? You know, I, I, I've always been kind of a Carmelo apologist. <laughs> and I, I feel like even when maybe his numbers have dropped or he, he's not been able to play as much. Like, just on sheer talent, like, the guy's incredible. But but in speaking directly to those injuries and kind of the wear and tear, and he's, he's, not, he's not ancient, but, but he's getting up there. I, I think he's probably played his last All-Star game. Yeah, I could see that one. Um... Also, we don't know if he's going to end up in the Eastern Conference when all is said and done. He may end up being in, in yeah, the West. We, ne- we don't know. But Okay, now, I know we, we've covered a lot of names here. I want to just touch on a few that didn't they weren't All-Stars last year and see what your thoughts are for the next year. So, Miles Turner, I think we both agreed, has a good shot to be an All-Star. How about Joel Embiid? Yeah. He's the one that I could see like getting voted in and, and whether or not he actually plays in the game. I mean, he's not ever shown an ability to stay healthy. Yeah. Um, people raved about his rookie season, and he did a lot of awesome things, but he played, what, 35 games? Yep. And, and that was even with him really trying to protect him and rest him, and still he wasn't able to finish the season. Uh-huh. Um, so I think I think he's a guy that, that could get voted in, but I don't know that he'll actually end up playing the game. Mm-hmm. That's, I think that's a good way to look at it. I, I don't have him in, in my mind. I don't think he makes it. Uh, how about Bradley Beal? Um, I think Bradley Beal is super underrated. Um, and, and just the way that East has kind of changed this offseason, I think the, the Wizards have an opportunity to, to really make a jump that I was expecting a year or two ago. Uh-huh. Um, and and I, I could see him... Sort of playing the Kemba Walker role and, and sneaking in. Yeah, if, if the Wizards are, are, are making moves and, and he's having the kind of season we're used to having from him, yeah, I could see him sneaking in. Yeah, so I, I, I agree with you. I do have Bradley Bill sneaking in. I, I agree with you that he's underrated. Um, I actually wish, this is a really quick side note, but I wish the Wizards just had one more guy. I wish they kind of had a big three with Wall and Bill because I think they could be pretty special, but it be interesting to see how they pan out next year. Okay, last one, and maybe you'll disagree with me, but I kind of had a hard time on this guy. For some reason, I feel like he could be a sleeper uh, to make the All Star game for the or make the All Star team for the East, and that's Dwight Howard. Really? You think he has any chance? I don't know. I I mean, obviously there's a chance, but what do you think? Do you think he's washed up? Do you think there's no chance, or do you think that uh, Clifford can revamp him in Charlotte? You know, maybe. Along the same vein of Shaquille O'Neal making that all-star team when he was with the Suns, uh, if he can stay healthy and and maybe, maybe I mean, he's never going to get back to the player he was. Yeah. But, but if, he, if he can have a little bit of a throwback moment, like, yeah, I mean, I never would have considered that. It wouldn't have even crossed my mind. <laughs> but, but just... I mean, given the Eastern Conference of it all, and, and the fact that he—I mean, yeah—I don't know. I, 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 I'm kind of digging it. I don't know if I can go out on the same limb, but, but I see the message in madness. I guess I'd say. Yeah, I get that. So, 
I don't know. I mean, Howard has rode me. I've liked him. I've disliked him. I've gone back and forth on him all throughout his career. I, I still, to this day, you ask me what I think about him, I can't make up my mind on him. But I, I feel like I'd like to see him do well. I'd like to see him have some good years in Charlotte. And who knows? Maybe he doesn't end up being an all-star. We'll see. Yeah, and he, he's, I mean, like Gobert, he's kind of the more traditional big man. And people, for whatever reason, don't like those anymore. But he, yeah. still, he can still do some things. He's still a, a high-level player in the league. Definitely. All right, so moving over now to the Western Conference. If you thought that was hard, you're going to have some real fun ones here. Um, <laughs> I thought I would just kind of go through the ones that I think we'll both agree on as shoe-ins. I mean, Steph Curry, obvious. James Harden, Kevin Durant, yeah. Kawhi, yep. Russell Westbrook. Um, Anthony Davis, if he stays healthy, I think he's pretty much a shoe-in. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. From there... I feel like it gets a little tougher, so I'll start naming a few that were on it last year, and you give me your thoughts on if they'll make it again this year or not. Uh, first okay. one is Clay Thompson. Honestly, I was like arguing against him last year being in the game, yep. and, and I, I think it's only gotten harder. Um, I, I love Clay Thompson. When he's hot, he's, he's hotter than pretty much anyone in the league. Yeah. And he, he's a good defender, but but I just think it's too crowded. I agree. I have him out as well, so we're on the same wavelength there. Yeah. How about his teammate, Draymond Green? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I, I think he's there. Yeah, I do it, too. It, it kind of pains me to say it, but, but he, he's an all-star. Yeah, see, I would agree, definitely. Um, how about DeMarcus Cousins? I think a lot of that will have to do with what the Hornets, sorry, wow. <laughs> Throwback. The, the Pelicans, I, I think a lot of that has to do with what the Pelicans do this season. I, I can see the Twin Tower thing working for them, but, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sold on them as a playoff team, and I think they're doing some weird things positionally. So I think with him it's just going to come down to where finish. I'd even maybe say that a little bit about Davis, but I think he's a little more established mm-hmm. than Cousins, kind of, with that group. Yeah. He's a tough one. I, I, I don't want to pop out, but I'm, I'm going to say that, that it's going to come down to, to what the Pels can do as a team. Okay, yeah. I'll be 100% shocked if both Davis and Cousins make it, in my mind. I just think it'll be pretty crazy. I mean, maybe if they're playing exceptionally well. I I think a lot of it will have to do, if Davis is healthy, I think he will make it. And I actually have Cousins out. I don't have Cousins making it. So we'll see. It's going to be interesting to see those two for 82 games, if they can actually coexist. Yeah, it's a lot. It's honestly a lot like the Jazz last season. There was no way Hayward and Gobert were both going to make the All-Star team, regardless of how they were playing. Mm -hmm. That's a very good analogy, good comparison. All right, how about Marcus Soule? I mean, I've kind of been waiting for him to come down, but but he, he just keeps doing his thing. I, I think maybe this is the year. I'm not saying he's going to have some awful season or anything, but, but I I think maybe this is the year he doesn't get it. Yep, I'm with you. I have him out as well. So yeah. um, how about DeAndre Jordan? Made it last year. Nah. Yeah, I, if he makes it again, especially if it's over Rudy, I'm going to... I'm going to be very upset, so <laughs> I'm voting no yeah, on that he, one, too. He, uh, he got his Sam Cassell honorary lifetime achievement all-star birth last year, <laughs> and I think we probably won't see him again. Yep. All right, now a trio of guys who were on the Eastern all-star team last year but not, but are now on the West. So first, Jimmy Butler. Yeah, I, I think... I'm not as bullish on the Timberwolves as a lot of people, but I, I think he's an all-star. Yep, I'm with you. I, on both things you just said, I wouldn't with you 100%. Uh, Paul yeah. George, there's another tricky one. Yeah, I, I think he's in. Okay, I do too. I felt like, felt like he kind of snuck in last year, but then post-All-Star break, he was phenomenal, and I think he's going to play very well in Oklahoma City. He's in a contract year. I definitely think he's yeah. in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, how about Paul Millsap? I think it's going to be tough for him to, to, to get there. I think I, I, I don't mean to like shoot on Paul Millsap, but I think a lot of his all-star um, presence in the past was his conference and the fact that his team a couple of years kind of surprised some people. And I, I love the Nuggets. 
kids, and, and I, I love Paul Millsap, but, but I think it's going to be hard for him. Yeah, I agree. I, 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 think, I felt like he kind of squeaked in last year in the East, and now that he's yeah. in an even more crowded West, I just don't see it happening. I, I don't think he'll be an All-Star this year. Um, all right, moving on to some guys that weren't last year, um, but maybe this year. What about Chris Paul? Oh. <laughs> These are hard, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. I, I'm curious to see how it works. I mean, like I said, kind of with the MVP thing, if they do what, what people think they're going to do and, and kind of what they're trying to do, it, it might be hard not to put them in. But at the same time, I think he's reaching that point where he's older and it's going to be harder for him to get into the All-Star game. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I did not have him in either. Uh, what about Blake Griffin? Blake Griffin, I might put him in, in the boat with, with Embiid where like he'll get voted in by the fans and whether or not he plays will, will be determined by whether or not he's actually healthy and able to do so. Yeah. Um, that, that's kind of the whole Clippers season, really. Like that's they have true. these injury prone guys, and if they stay on the court, they'll be good. And if not, um, to be bad. And, and as far as Lakers in the All Star game, he's still really good, but he may not make it to the game. Yeah. So I actually, it's all dependent on health for me, because I feel like Griffin's going to have a huge opportunity. He's going to have to be, you know, the go to guy, the best player on the Clippers. So if he is that, I do think he's in. But like you say, if, yeah. if health or for whatever reason, it wouldn't be surprising to see him out. True. Next guy I had that we've both talked about already is Rudy Gobert. I know we both think and hope that he'll be in this year. Um, the last couple I wanted to bring up that I think they're both pretty hard. Or last few, I have three more that I think are kind of tricky. Um, Mike Conley. You think he's got a shot this year? He's always kind of an underrated guy. I don't know. I, I don't see it happening. I think if the Grizzlies were the surprise team and they won like 55 games or something, which isn't going to happen, mm-hmm. uh, maybe it's you know, sneaking in. But I think probably his best chances to get in were in the past. And uh, I don't see him making it as long as he stays with Memphis. Yep, I'm with you there. Uh, now, this is a guy that's been snubbed quite a few times before. What about Damian Lillard? Yeah, I... To me, he's an all-star every year, and, and it's been crazy to me some of the times when he hasn't made it. Uh-huh. Um, I, I think he deserves to be there, and I put him in there all day long. Um, but for whatever reason, he hasn't always been there, and that could continue to be the case. Yeah, I agree um, with you. I don't know. So then last one I had on my list um, that, you know, there were a few. I didn't think he deserved it last year, but some people did. There was some clamor that he should have been in. What about Carl Anthony Towns? Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to say he'll make it. Um, I don't, like we've kind of talked about, I, I don't know if the Wolves are going to be this amazing team that everyone expects. Uh-huh. Um, and, and when you're not kind of in the upper crust, it's hard to get multiple all-stars. Um, but I think he's just so good, it's going to be hard to keep him out. Um, maybe the only scenario in which he doesn't make it that I can see is if the Nuggets just really surprise people and maybe Jokic gets in ahead of him. Yeah. Yeah. Jokic is the one I hadn't even thought of. That's one that, you know, he's due for a breakout season. He was one of the most approved player candidates. He could be right there. So that's a good point. Is there, kind of wrapping up, is there anybody else that I haven't mentioned from either conference that you feel like should or could be an all-star? I feel like we've covered a lot of the guys that are in or on the fringe, but did I miss anybody in your mind? Gosh, no, I, I mean, I, the only one that I could think of was Jokic, and that, like, kind of, with, with Rudy, maybe a situation where the perception isn't there yet, and it's going to take a few years. But, but other than that, I don't see a lot. Um, it's really hard to make the All-Star team. There's only 12 spots. Yep. Um, what, what do you think of the talk of maybe expanding it to 15? I, I like it. I also, I don't know about you, but I'm a big proponent of not having it be East and Western Conference anymore. I think it should just be the 24 or if it expands to two teams of 15, the 30 best players in the league. Um, I mean, interesting. yeah, I just, you look at these Eastern and Western Conference teams or whatever, and there's going to be fringe guys that, that do make it in the East that are not nearly as talented as guys that get snubbed in the West in my mind. So, I mean, 
I know that doesn't make as is you know as nice of a game where you have you know your Eastern Conference and Western Conference guys. But as far as getting the people in that deserve to be in, I'd rather see them go that route and just pick the top twenty four, the top thirty guys in the league. Well, they do have, I guess, in, in the the rookie game, they they kind of do the Americans versus the world, and, and yeah, I, I don't know if that's a viable concept yet, but but we're definitely getting to the point where there are enough international players really making strong careers for themselves that maybe that's something that could happen. Yeah, I would say this about expanding. I, I like you. I'm in favor of it. Um, I do wonder, and maybe maybe I'm like up in the night about this, but there are a lot of players out there that have incentives in their contracts where it comes to like making all star teams, and maybe maybe that's a little thing. But when the next CBA comes up, like some of these small market like hardline owners, I, I I can see them not wanting to have something like that because that's potentially having to pay players more than they want to. Guys like Dan Gilbert, and even though Michael Jordan's a billionaire with a B now, he, he kind of follows that small market owner mentality as well. I wonder if that would ever be like a roadblock to expansion of that. Yeah, that's a good point I hadn't thought of either. That's very true. Well, awesome. Well, it was fun going through those predictions. I know a lot of them are hard. I just know that I'm glad that the NBA season is less than two months away. We're finally getting kind of within, you know, the lights at the end of the tunnel. I'm excited to see how these actually yeah. play out. But we still training camp, right? Yep, it's coming up quick. Well, Ryan, thank you so much for jumping on and joining the show again. Really appreciate you, you know, being willing to come on. All the listeners out there, I want to yeah, make sure that you. yeah, I want to make sure you're following Ryan on Twitter. His handle is at roundballruckus. Uh, make sure you're following me as well. It's just at Jared Woodcox. And be sure to keep up to date with the Three Point Threat Podcast by following at 3P Threat Podcast. Um, if you have any questions or suggestions for the show, be sure to hit any of us up. We'd love to hear them and answer anything here on the podcast for you. So until next time, everybody, so long.